On behalf of Pastor Mark Driscoll, we want to thank you for allowing us to bring you Jesus-centered Bible teaching. Like Pastor Mark always says, it's all about Jesus. To get all of Pastor Mark's sermons, blogs, books, and other content, please visit us at markdriscoll.org. There you can also sign up to receive additional free content from Pastor Mark and support this ministry with a gift of any amount. Thank you. So, how you doing? Good. Glad to be here with you. Love you. Good to see you and Lucretia and your daughter. Yeah. She's cute. She is cute. She's real cute. That's why I buy a gun every year. (laughs) I really do. I'm legit. You might be here in your gun control. I am too. I've got guns and I control people when they try to date my daughter. (laughs) So, um, so you, uh, how, how are you like, how's grace? How's the kids? Where are you living? Yeah, we had a interesting transition. So we've got the five kids, uh, let's see, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. So we got elementary, junior high, high school and college. And love the way you, I mean, you're a planner. No, I mean, I mean actually, you're a planner. I'm, I'm not. I, uh, it just happened every other year. Someone with my last name showed up. We hugged them and <laughs> praise the Lord. So that's, you know, what causes that? I, uh, I, I will Google it later <laughs> and determine. Yeah. So, uh, no, we, uh, we're doing well in God's grace. I'm blessed with uh, an amazing wife and some very godly children. And so uh, as far as home goes, by God's grace, really, really, really well. And uh, especially for Grace and I, I mean, we met at 17. I got saved at 19, got married at 21, started into ministry in our early to mid-20s and uh, have kind of grown up together. But um, we always talk about, you know, marriage is about, there's three kinds of marriages. There's um, shoulder to shoulder. And I think a lot of leaders get into those yep. where you're, you got so much to do, the kids and work yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and the back to back. Sometimes you have seasons where you're conflicted and fighting and the face to face, which is the Bible's language for friendship. And so for Grace and I, uh, the, fra- the, the friendship is at the deepest, sweetest place that we've ever been in 28 years together. And so boy, when, you've got a, when you've got a wonderful, godly, supportive, yep wife with a big laugh who finds you funny, it, uh, it makes life a lot better. So we're doing good, all things My considered. My wife is all of that, but she doesn't find me funny. So, but, but I'm working on that. I'm working on that. Yeah. Um, so Mark, walk us, I mean, a lot of people know um, about you, mm-hmm. but, and it, but they don't know like the full story. So walk us all the way back to um, you getting saved in college, reading the, reading the Bible, yeah. and then how you, how you got the idea and how you started uh, Mars Hill Church. Well, for you and I both, uh, I think our backgrounds are somewhat similar. I, I didn't grow up in a necessarily Christian home. I come from a long line of Irish Catholic, and many Catholics know and love Jesus. I, I wasn't one of them. It wasn't the church's fault. I just wasn't interested in the things of God. My mom got saved in the charismatic Catholic renewal. Which is amazing. It's amazing. A charismatic Catholic. I, I don't know if you're praying in tongues to Mary or what. I don't even know what bucket to put that in. It's amazing. Uh, but God, That's a workout. <laughs> God, God healed her. So, um, so I grew up in a, a poor neighborhood like, like many. I mean, I was next to an airport up the road from the strip clubs and we had the Green River Killer and Ted Bundy. And I mean, it was a rough neighborhood. And my dad was a union drywaller. Uh, he hung sheetrock to feed five kids until he broke his back um, and then had to go back to school and, and go to a, a different course of, of life. Uh, my mom stayed home to raise us five kids. And so I grew up in a, a poor working class um, 
you know, high moral value Catholic home. And then um, at 17, met Grace, my, my now wife. She was a pastor's daughter. And I would have thought I was a Christian. I didn't really know what that meant. Right. At 19, I was reading the Bible in college. I think I was the first man in the history of my family to, to go to college. It was, a, it was a great privilege that the Lord provided. And I got saved reading the Bible. A Catholic boy reading the Bible, and then found a really wonderful church that I forever praise God for, some great mentors. Grace and I got married at 21, graduated at 22, started a Bible study uh, in the living room of our home that uh, ended up seeing uh, over 10,000 people baptized as new Christians over the course of many, many years. And so everything kind of exceeded our training and expectations. I started uh, ministry, quite frankly, too young and too young in the Lord and would have been well served to have a godly older mentor. I'm not sure I was that teachable though. So I don't know if I would have listened like I should have, but um, you know, the 20 some years later, um, I'm grateful for all that the Lord uh, allowed us to, to see him do and all the people that he saved. I mean, it is, it is remarkable what we get to do. And that is to tell people about Jesus and see the Holy Spirit bring them from death to life, change them from the inside out, alter their legacy and their eternal destiny. And we get a front row seat for that. And that's why I love the local church so much and have such a heart for, for ministry leaders because it's, it's, it's God's plan for people to meet Jesus through the church. Yep, yep, absolutely. What, what was it though? So did, did the, did it, was it a Bible study and it just became a church or was the intention to start a church the whole time? Or like, how did you come up? I mean, with your background, how in the world did you wind up, hey, I'm going to be a pastor one day? Yeah, I'd never been a member of a church. Uh, I'd never been a pastor at a church. At that point, I hadn't been to Bible college or seminary. I just had a heart to see young people in particular uh, meet Jesus. Once, once you get kind of radically saved, mm-hmm. I, I think you really have a passion to see other people get saved. And um, so I was, uh, I was saved at 19, and, and I had a particular heart, and still do, for all people, but especially for young men. And, um, and really wanted to see young men meet Jesus before they got married, before they started having kids, before they started you know, dragging other people into their, their poor life choices. And so really focused just on reaching primarily young, college-educated urban men, which statistically is the least of the least to go to church. And, and so I just thought, well, I'm gonna start a Bible study and then it grew and then we outgrew the home and we did an evening event at a church and then that just kind of kept going. And, and it didn't grow you know, significantly in the early years. It was, a, it was like two wheel drive in the snow. Yeah, yeah. You're expending a lot of energy. And you're like, I don't know if we're getting anywhere, uh, but I'm getting tired. Um, but God was gracious over the years to, to allow more and more people to meet Jesus. And so, you know, for some reason, the majority of people that have, you know, allowed me the honor of teaching them God's word are, are young men. I think even more recently, 18 to 25, and then 25 to 32 year old single men. Those are the top two categories. And so, you know, I started off as a, a, a brother, you know, you're in your 20s. Right. We started the first church, we had no children. So I, I wasn't a dad, I'm newly married. As you minister for a while, you, you sort of operate, you know, as men kind of become the big brother. And, yep. and in this next season, now that I've got, you know, three teenage kids and a daughter in college, I, I really feel that the next season that God is preparing me for is to minister as a father, as a spiritual father, who has the same affection and devotion and um, heart for people that I do for my own children. And uh, I'm a pretty uh, emotional, affectionate, 
present um, dad by God's grace. And, and I feel that that's the next season of leadership that God has for me. And so that's what I've been really focused on and learning about is the father heart of God, uh, getting around uh, older leaders and mentors to learn this past year for me has been pretty much a graduate school class in leadership, not talking a lot, listening a lot, um, not teaching a lot, but learning a lot. And, um, and then traveling to visit churches and ministries and leaders and families that are older, more seasoned, more experienced um, and, uh, and more fruitful than me. And, uh, and it's been a, a remarkable uh, season of learning. It's really been helpful and it's been encouraging and Grace has been able to be with me on a lot of those trips as well. And so it's really helped build our friendship and give us a vision as a family of what ministry looks like. Because again, the first church I was single and now I've got five kids. So we're kind of all doing it together. It's a family activity. And there's days that it's exciting. There's days that it's overwhelming. And sometimes at the very same moment, it's both, but yeah, that's kind of where we find ourselves. What, when was it that um, you feel like uh, Mars Hill just like took off? Like you, you guys were doing the Bible study, doing the Bible study. Um, I first heard about you in 2000 and 2001, I think. And, uh, and I think we first met through a leadership network. Yeah, yeah. Young it was leader all the, all the um, young pastors that were fried and freaked out, basically. Yeah, I remember basically, your yeah. health wasn't good. Yeah. My health wasn't yeah. good. It was awesome. It's like, you pray for me, I'll pray for you. Yeah, uh, I remember that meeting. It's like, yeah. uh, nobody here is normal. Okay, that's how I got invited here. I'm yeah. not normal. You remember yeah. that? It's yeah. great. Yeah. So, so that was that about the time that, that Mars Hill was really beginning to... You know, we were really blessed and honored to, uh, to see certain surges that I can't explain um, where a lot of people would meet Jesus. And, um, I, you know, I'm a Bible teacher. I, I love to teach through books of the Bible. I, I, I'm more like old throwback, I think, uh, open the Bible and go for an hour and, you know. An I, hour was your introduction. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, the introduction. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then the message. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, then we take a break and then do the real message. So, um, you know, there were things that God did that I, I have no credit for or explanation for. I, I could still remember um, we had certain surges where lots of people would get saved and there was no, there was no plan for that. There was no preparation for that. Um, it was just that the Spirit of God would do things that we, we didn't have any accounting for. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so a lot of people come to say, what did you do? I don't know. I was a kite and then a hurricane came and <laughs> next thing you know, I'm flying, but I don't feel like I could really teach a class on that. Yeah. Um, Cause any old kite that will fly in a hurricane. That is an amazing metaphor. Any old kite will fly in a hurricane. Yeah. You know? That, yeah, that needs to be one of those leadership posters, you know, leadership where it's got the eagle and it's soaring. It's just the kite and under is like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And it's in a hurricane. That <laughs> yeah. would work. Yeah. What, um, so is, is growing, um, what, not going to talk about, not going to unhash everything that happened. Because uh, I don't, I, frankly, I want you and I want us to just move on. But I would love for you to, to speak to us and say, as a leader, these are some things that I could say uh, I would not do them again. Or kind of teach us for a second on, hey, these are some areas where I feel like I fell short, dropped the ball, made a mistake. I'm not going to do it again. And I would hope that by God's grace, you would not do that again. Well, I had a, there's a lot. I mean, I've been journaling for over a year and learning and traveling and processing and, and meeting with people that are, you know, godly and gifted and, and, and getting other perspective because we're all blind to our own blind spots. Um, and you've really stepped out of what I would call the, 
the circle. I mean, you, you, all types of theology. I mean, I know the people that you've met with behind the scenes, and it's not, there's not one major branch of theology there. I mean, that primary, primary issues we all agree on, but secondary issues are wide open, and you've really kind of stepped into, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to talk to anybody. Well, if, if you love Jesus and you believe the Bible and you can, you know, put up with me, then I'm happy to hang out. Yeah. Um, and so that last one shortens the list, but it, it you know, uh, but, uh, but, but for me, I, I want to learn from God's entire family. And I, I feel that sometimes, you know, we get tribalized into our, you know, our theological group or affinity group or tradition group. Um, and just like the nation of Israel, they had tribes, but they were still one nation. Right. And uh, they were for one another. And so for me, as God has gifted godly people with insight and wisdom, I wanna be humble enough to receive it by God's grace. And, um, and if they have something to teach me, then I wanna learn that. Yep. Um, and, uh, and the people that have helped me to learn in this season, and there's a, there's a, there's a long list of them, have been amazingly kind to my wife and I. We have never felt more loved, encouraged, supported, and, uh, and just really grateful for the kindness of, of some really godly, wonderful people. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I spent you know, 20 years or so doing ministry and then realized you know, there are some things that I, I would like to learn. There were some things that if I would have been more patient as a young leader, um, I, I should have learned. And so it's been going back that's why I'm even here early. I'm taking notes. And, you right, know, right. I mean, I, I genuinely am in a, a season of learning. And, uh, and so, you know, as far as what I've learned, there, there is a lot. Um, I think perhaps the thing that I, I, that's really just captured me is the father heart of God. And if, you, if you're okay, I'd like to get in. Well, either way, I'm going to. So Do it. Um, <laughs> Do it. Um, so I had a conversation with a young man some years ago. And... Uh, I had really wounded him. I'd hurt him with something I had said. And uh, we were talking and he got very emotional. This was a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It was very appropriate. And he said, you know, what you said, it really, it really, uh, it grieved me. It, it, it grieved him. And I said, uh, well, the other guys were saying the same thing. He said, yeah, but they're brothers, but you're a father. Wow. Yeah. I said, oh, I said, uh, I'm really sorry. I said, I appreciate you telling me this. Um, can you explain that to me? And he said, uh, brothers can say things that fathers can't. And he said, you don't understand, but, but you're a father to me. And I didn't, I didn't know that. At this point, I still consider myself a young man. I'm in my 30s yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at this point. And uh, and, and he laid something out that kind of got me down a, a, a trail that I've been on now for a while. Um, and I think there's a deep and profound father wound for young men and young women. Absolutely. And I think 40% of kids go to bed tonight without a father. For the first time in the nation's history, the majority of children born to women 30 and under are born out of wedlock. A lot of people don't have a dad, or if they have a dad, he wasn't a life-giving, you know, God-fearing, uh, example-setting dad. It, is that true? Pretty yeah. Everybody in the room, anybody in the room identify with that? Anybody? 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 Oh, okay. So, everybody else have great dads. So, so, so what happens then is I think there's a lot of bitterness around fatherhood. 
Absolutely. And, and I've been studying a lot on forgiveness and, and oftentimes in the Bible talks about forgiveness, unforgiveness and bitterness in the same orbit, it talks about Satan and demons. So Ephesians 4, yeah, yeah. don't give the devil a foothold, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. 2 Corinthians 2, 11, Satan will not outwit us if we know his schemes. Just before that, he talks about forgiveness. Yep. So I think, I think what happens is when, uh, when there is that father wound and you're bitter, you're unforgiving toward your father, it actually brings torment into your life. And it, it, it actually opens the door to the demonic. And I think what happened in in sort of my ministry, being a brother, I saw a lot of younger brothers come to Christ and a lot of younger brothers, um, you know, follow some of my teaching. Um, and there is now a generation of young men that have got to figure out how to make that transition into spiritual fathering. But if you're bitter against your own father, you're not gonna have a spiritual father and you're gonna have a difficult time transitioning into a role as a father and a spiritual father. And I think for me, a lot of ministry as a, as a man, um, my wife would say as a woman, a lot of her ministry comes out of her experience as a mom. And yeah. a lot of my ministry comes out of my experience as a dad. And so started studying this and Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, you have many teachers, you don't have many fathers. What he's saying is there's podcasts and books and lectures, but there's not anybody to watch. And a lot of life is through observation. Yep. Um, he says, and I became your father through the preaching of the gospel. So as we present Jesus to people and they get saved, we're in that position of almost like a parent because they're born again and then we have to help raise them and that's discipleship. And so started looking at it, Timothy, Titus, Onesimus, Paul calls them his sons. We talk about Abraham as our father. And so for me, um, I start looking at it and I think there's this massive generational wound. So we pick dead fathers, you know, so we pick dead reformers that aren't really involved in our life. Right. Um, and, and there is a, a great lack of, uh, of parenting, men and women operating as mothers and fathers in the church. And there's a generation that has a great wound and a great need. And so a lot of what I've been studying is, okay, what's my view of God the Father? Do I understand God as Father? Do I have a relationship uh, with God as Father? And I, I love the Lord Jesus, and I do believe with all my heart that the Bible is about Jesus, um, but I believe even the focus on the Son can cause some to really overlook the love of the Father. Um, and so for me, that has been a, a, a year plus of with the Father and being a son and learning from the Father to be a good father and learning from the Father to be a spiritual father. And if you start talking about this in a formalized or organized way, it can get really weird and cultish. That's not what I'm saying yeah, at yeah. all. I'm just saying, and this is not so much for the people that God might give me the, the real honor of ministering to, but in my heart as a father. And when that young man said, you know, a brother can say something that a father can't, a brother can do something that a father can't, um, that a father carries more authority and as a result can bring more life or death. Um, that has been really a focus for me in this last year and, uh, and, and a conversation with a lot of young leaders. And I, I, think, um, I think a lot of us, we, we minister out of the age that we're in. Yep. And then as you get older, you, you transition. Yeah, I had, a, um, I had a staff member recently speaking to that and about the way you care for people. He said, um, his name's Tyler. He said, we don't have an org chart, we have a care chart. Hmm. And he said, your org chart, should that's your care chart. Yeah. And uh, that's looking at it, he just became a dad. So, so I, right. I can, yeah, I can see that. 
So, so even in this conference, when you're talking about, you know, that the essence of leadership is love, man, if, if I, I can't think of how to love people better than, than the affection I have for my own three boys and two girls. Yeah. And if I can have my affection for them, my love for the people flow out of the same place as my own children, uh, then, then, then the church family becomes a reflection of your own family. Um, and so then, you know, that means that the governance of the church needs to help permit that and the relationships in the church need to reinforce that. Uh, but a lot of it does start. I mean, I saw you last night at dinner with your daughter. You love her. Oh yeah. And if you love your people from the same place you love her, then the church family will be healthy as is your family. I love most of the people here like that. <laughs> yeah. Every family's got a freak, right? Yeah. Every family. And if you're sitting here going, my family don't have a freak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they do. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Mark, what's, um, what's I'm really excited. I mean, we could go all sorts of places with this, but I think the thing I'm most excited in talking to you about, uh, and we started this conversation last night, is about what's, what's next. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got some, you got some pretty exciting plans coming up and uh, lot, lots of stuff developing. So why, why don't you share that with us? You know, right, right now, I mean, it's probably a lot simpler than people think. I don't, I don't have a core group. I haven't had a meeting. I don't have a sound system. I don't have a microphone. I don't have a chair. I don't have an assistant. I, I mean, literally, it's pretty simple. I take the kids to school, and then I uh, talk to a microphone, put out a podcast, and then I take them to baseball, and, you know, um, and it's good. I like that. Um, but uh, but I, we feel as a family that God's called us to start a church, and uh, and it's coming out of our family discussions. So at dinner, we're having questions about, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So so it's, it's a family ministry, um, and we've named it the Trinity Church in honor to Grace's parents. She was a pastor's kid, and the church that her dad pastored, he since passed away, was called the Trinity Church. So our hope and our prayer is to plant a church. We don't have a facility at this point. Um, we've let people know that this is what we're praying for and working toward, um, and the Lord is going to have to really do some miraculous things to provide to make that possible. And so, um, you know, it is very... Um, it's very interesting to go from, you know, 18 years of doing something and then taking a break and then moving to another city. We didn't have any close friends. We didn't have any family there. Uh, we, I didn't have a job there. We don't have a building there. Um, and, and so we're literally starting from nothing um, with five kids that love the Lord. And so I've got the best core group ever. So, so speak to that because, I mean, and this is just, this is just a Selfish question for me, and yeah, I might, I might, I might just take the mic with me. Yeah, you can take, yeah, you can take the mic with you. I'll have one. I um, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll totally hook you up with that mic. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, all the mics are so missing you, after that. Yeah, I know. I don't know what and, happened. And the, I don't know. Well, you have some of these pedals too, because I don't know what they do. That one keeps blinking, and I'm, yeah. I think it's a bomb. I'm freaking out a little bit. Um, yeah. what? So, so you you went through a, a difficult season. I mean, nobody here is going to say that. I mean, you, and you're, you're actually still in it. Um, a difficult season. Um, but you've got five kids that still love Jesus. How'd you do that? I, oh, the Holy Spirit does that. You just try not to get in his way, you yeah, know? Yeah, um, I think, but I think you and Grace had a lot to do with it. Well, I mean, you really did. You know, um, we went through a long season of grieving. I woke up every Sunday for six months and cried. Um, and was trying to process with counselors like what we're in and what we're going through. And I, I don't want to 
speak ill of anyone and I don't want to say I'm a victim or anything like that. Just it was a difficult season. And with the kids, helping them to process through it as well. And I'll share uh, one part of the story. So we were living, you know, in Seattle and then put our house in the market. It didn't sell yet. So we moved, left all our stuff in Seattle and we're down in Arizona trying to figure out where do the kids go to school? Where do we live? We can't, you know, our house isn't sold. So we're between homes and, uh, you know, all of this. And then my phone goes off one Saturday at, at around one o'clock and it was the alarm system at our house. And I thought somebody's breaking into our house again. We'd had legal issues at the house and arrests over the years and threats and stuff. And so um, I jumped on a plane and went up to investigate and I, I gave a photo. That. That's my house. Yeah. So we had just relocated to another state and all of our possessions were in that house. We were waiting for the house to sell so that we could buy another house and get our family settled. And uh, yeah, and I jumped on a plane and flew up in the middle of the night and the power's out and a 200 foot tree fell and crushed my house. So I'm standing there like, okay, I don't, I've got my family in another state. All of our possessions are in this home. Um, Lord, I, I, need, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Um, you know, I, I was the guy who'd wake up every day and, you know, double check the red S on my chest and put my cape on and go do it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I, 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 that's not where I'm at. And, uh, and so, you know, for us, that transition was really hard as a family because, you know, I mean, I'm glad we weren't home. If we were taking a nap, Grace and I, Grace doesn't nap, I do. If I was taking a nap at Saturday at one o'clock, I'd be dead. That was our bedroom. And so, you know, other variables going on behind the scenes that just made life complicated with, with five kids. But God was and has been incredibly faithful. And in the middle of it, I'll be honest, 100%, I was really stressed. I mean, I had the shakes for about a month or two. I was unable to read. I lost my eyesight due to stress. So it really increased my prayer life because I, I couldn't yeah. read anymore, but I could talk to the Lord. I'm trying to figure out what to do and trying to figure out how to lovingly lead this family forward. Um, but God was very, very gracious to us. He gave us wise counsel. He gave us wonderful friends. Uh, he gave us uh, tremendous affection and grace and I, consideration for one another. On the day she was down, I was up and vice versa. And she's, she's the strongest, most glorious, wonderful, resilient, amazing woman that any man was ever honored to have. And uh, my, my deep appreciation for my wife is, I mean, if I lose everything and I have Jesus and grace and those kids, there is not a man more blessed than me. Yeah. And, I, and I absolutely believe well, that. Yeah. yeah. But I think the thing I'm fascinated by is that your, so your kids um, obviously, obviously saw you struggle. I would, they, they saw I, grace I struggle. I would repent to them. These are the things that dad did to contribute to this. I ask your forgiveness. Um, these are the people that we need to forgive. These are the things that we need to learn. These are the things that we need to pray for the Lord to provide. And so, I mean, this was, this has been and is an ongoing season as a family of we're doing, I mean, we love Jesus and the father is good. And we're going to be together. I mean, I had one day I met with one of my teenage sons and I would meet with them one-on-one -on -one kind of during the, the darkest days that we had. And I, uh, I sat down with my son and we'd pray and I'd check in with the kids. And 
I said, how are you doing? And he said, well, you know, it's hard and I'm frustrated on, you know, some circumstances in his life got kind of upheaval and he didn't yeah, anticipate yeah. that. And he was processing that as a young man. And he looked at me though, and he said, but dad, he said, uh, I know that I know that we all love Jesus and I know that you and mom love one another. So I know we're going to be okay. Wow. So when you get to yeah. bedrock, you're like, as a dad, you're like, I'm glad that's the bedrock. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, and that's something that the Lord does in the child because, you know, the kids can borrow your faith for a while, but at some point they need to have their own. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. So, so your kids, I guess the, 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 the strongest thing for them is you and Grace stayed strong together. I mean, you actually grew stronger together during that season. Yeah, and, and how to grieve and I was not a good griever. You know, the majority of the Psalms are lament. Uh, how to help my children grieve um, and my wife. Um, how to repent. How to um, heal. Um, how to forgive. And I, I think if there's any lesson for leaders, you know, you need to receive God's forgiveness for you and you need to extend God's forgiveness to others. And where forgiveness stops flowing, I believe that's where life stops flourishing. So, Mark, I think every leader in this room, if they were able to ask you um, a question, uh, one, of the, one of the top ones is, and this is just, this is just me asking you as a friend, um, in everything that happened, and even before everything that happened, um, people just said stuff about you that was and is not true. And not only is it, it's not, it's not, it's not even a sister. I mean, it's just so far from true. And every leader in this room, every leader on at any level of, you know, workplace ministry uh, or workplace or ministry has had someone say something about them that's not true. Not as public as people have said things about you. So how, how, do, how are you processing that? Because from externally, and, you know, you and I have been friends now for over a decade. I've I've seen you process it well, so how are, how are you processing that? Because that's not easy to deal with. Well, I mean, my thought is if somebody throws a rock, pick it up and look at it um, and see if there's anything true and helpful. Um, yeah, you, but you had like boulders and stones. I mean, this, they, it was unreal. It's like a cartoon. Yeah, and, and we live, and you and I too, we're, we're in a, we were in a weird transition time where we started ministry before there really was this thing called the internet. And so part of that experimental phase and generation. So I can still remember having dinner at the house and this couple was over and he said, you should do blogging. And I was like, what? He's like, have you heard of blogs? I was like, I haven't heard of a blog. So we go over to the computer that's plugged into the telephone line. Yep. You know, these kids don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, with you. and there was no laptop. So it's a desktop that, you know, if the end of the world comes, you could hide under it. It's, you know, yep. so big. Um, and uh, he shows me a blog, you know. And so, you know, what has happened now with the advent of the internet is communication. What one leader said, it's instant, constant, global, and permanent. Yep. It's instant. People are able to immediately. And so that causes the media to chase social media. Instant, constant. It never ends. There is no sleep to the news cycle. Global, once it's out, the whole world can participate yep. and it's permanent, like a tattoo, you gotta live with it. Yep. And, and, and as I have said things that I regret and, and, and made mistakes and learned, um, those things also are, are part of the contribution. And so, um, you know, as it all flies, you realize there are three kinds of people, another author says that there's wise, foolish, and evil. 
Wise people are teachable and humble and learn from their mistakes. Foolish people just want to argue and shift the blame. And evil people just want to hurt you. And as a leader, you got to discern when you're dealing with people, are they wise, foolish, or evil? Because the response to different people is different. Yep. If you're wise, I'm going to get a lot of time and energy to you. If you're uh, foolish, I need to give you some consequences so that you become wise. And if you're evil, I need to protect myself from you. And every leader understands this in their sphere of influence. And it's really important. Um, um, you know, for, that's why Jesus tells Judas, you know, you go do what you're going to do. And he tells Peter, we're going to have a meeting and, and we're going to reconcile this. Because uh, Judas was evil and Peter was foolish, but he became wise. And so um, as a leader, it's always asking him, am I seeking wisdom, teachability, humility? And as I'm interacting with people, is this, is this coming from someone who's wise? Then I need to listen. Is it coming from someone who's foolish? Well, then it may not be that helpful. If it's coming from someone who's evil, I need to not, it might get on me, but I can't let that get in me. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, and, but then how to respond too. So I'll give you a story. I was at a, I was at a grocery store um, after I transitioned and, uh, and going to the store was interesting for a while. And um, this uh, woman sees me and she's got little kids. I think it was a grocery store or something. And uh, I was just kind of zombie, to be honest with you. I, I was, yeah, I hadn't got my equilibrium emotionally back yet. And she sees me and she just stops and freezes and she starts crying. And she's got little kids. And uh, I didn't know her, but I could tell that, you know, probably I was her pastor previously. And so she runs up to me and just starts bawling in the grocery store. And I literally, I've got makeup and tears all over my shirt and I can't stop crying. Because I, I could just experience publicly this woman's hurt. And there's a lot of people that would identify similarly with her that, that experienced this. Um, through all that we went through together. And so she had a hard time breathing and collecting herself and I did too and we're in the grocery store and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, this is, a, this is a painful moment. She looked at me and she gave me some advice and this was very, very early on and I, I, I thank this woman for her wisdom. She said, uh, Pastor Mark, um, I became a Christian at your church and she said, so I see you like my father. And she said, uh, when I was little, my parents got divorced. She said, we knew that our parents had had a, a real tenuous marriage for a long time. And then one day my mom filed for divorce and kicked my dad out. And she said, this feels like another divorce in my family. And I just, I just was devastated for her. Um, and I apologized and I, I looked at her and told her that you know I loved her and God loved her and I was trying to comfort her. And she said, and my mom said a lot of things about my dad. And she said, we really grew up despising our father after the divorce. And she said, my dad never said anything. And she said, uh, many years later, when she said, I became a parent, I thought I'm gonna go back and just double check with my dad. Cause she said, we didn't have a close relationship. She said, he wanted one, but I didn't allow one because I believed everything my mom had said about him. Right, right. And uh, she said, uh, so I went and I found my dad and we talked and, and she said, dad, what's your side of the story? And he said, I, I don't need to share that. She said, no, I wanna know. And she said, many years later, as an adult, he shared with me his side of the story. And she said, uh, I really understood things more from my father's perspective. She said, I still agreed with my mom on some things, but she said, I really understood my dad's perspective and actually 
I more agreed with him. And I asked him, I said, Dad, why did you never tell me this? He said, because I didn't get custody. And she's still your mother. And to turn you against your mother would not be good for you. So I didn't say anything. And she said, Pastor Mark, I think you need to be quiet. And so I, I took that as a, a wise counsel um, that, that this woman had an insight that was from the Lord. And, and I would say for all leaders, there are times when you will feel criticized, you'll feel attacked or accused. I mean, we worship a guy who was falsely accused and he sent out some other guys who got falsely accused. And I'm not saying I'm guilty or innocent. You know what? We'll just let, we'll let the Lord determine that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I'll pass that on to the court of appeals. But as a leader, you can, you, when you take it personal, you make it personal. And then you start fighting for your reputation and you forget about your family. And it's always about the kids. And if you're a, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, you're a Christian leader, it's always about the people. And we need to love people and not use people. And we need to be willing to do whatever is necessary for their well-being. And that's what she told me. She said, I, I knew then that my father really did love me because he didn't tell me his side of the story because that would have put me in a place where I didn't have any parents. And so, you know, for us as leaders, I think it is back to that father's heart. It's back to that mother's heart. It's back to that parental heart saying, you know, I would like to, I would like to let everybody know what I think, but is that what is best for the family? Is that what's best for those who are involved? And, and you can get angry and you can get impetuous and you can get frustrated. And, and I'm a counterpuncher by nature. And yeah. I have a lot of that in my background and history. And the fruit of the spirit is self-control. So... When your kids, um, you, you've, of course, probably been angry in front of your kids. Like, how, how did you process that anger with them? You know, what's weird is more in this season, it's been grieving. Yeah. I mean, when you get angry, it's so you can go fight to save something. When you've lost, it's grieving. Um, and so the kids have seen me grieve. And I, I, I wouldn't have said I was particularly good at that. Um, but what grief does, what healthy lamenting does... The Bible talks a lot about lamenting. Whole books of the Bible, like Lamentations, are about lamenting. And Jesus laments over Jerusalem, and the number one category of Psalms is laments. And so that was an area of biblical study that I, I wasn't, quite frankly, very deep in. Um, but what, what lamenting does, it allows you to process with the Lord rather than gossiping or busybodying or going public. Uh, it allows you to emotionally feel things without just seeing yourself as a victim and acknowledging your own participation and responsibility. It also is a lightning rod that helps ground out the storm and the frustration and the fury. Um, it, it's a release valve that takes the pressure off and it also helps to transfer the burden. And I had a friend of mine, he said, how's your prayer life in, in the middle of the worst of it? And I said, well, I, I struggle. He said, you know, it's just complaining to the Lord until you've transferred the burden, then it's prayer. Wow. Yeah. And so as a leader, we carry burdens. And a friend of mine says, it's like wearing a 200 pound jacket 24 hours a day, seven days a week is that, that responsibility. There are burdens that we carry. And then under certain duress and stress, additional burdens come. And Jesus says, come to me, all you are heavy laden and burdened, you know, and, and I'll give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that he comes along to carry that load with us. Yeah. And so as a leader, sometimes I think we can think, you know, where's my spouse? Where's my staff? Where's my support system? Who's there for me? And Jesus is like, that's my job. 
and I need you to get with me and I need you to learn to lament and to grieve and to mourn and to process and to heal and to shift some of that burden to me because you can't carry it, but neither can they. I'm the only one that can carry that load. And so, so I grieved a lot um, and I grieved a lot with my kids and I, I try to allow my kids to grieve and, and there are various ages and places in their process. And I met with former leaders, many, many, many of them, trying to help them to get unburdened and to grieve. And, and it's led to a, a new ministry for Grace Tonight. It seems like pastors in crisis call us. They're like, we're dying, will you talk to us? Okay. I mean, if we can help, we'd love to. So we've had a more quiet, private ministry with a number of people in crisis this last year, leaders, and come alongside and try just to be a safe place for them and to help them to learn to lament and to bring those burdens to the Lord. And again, part of the lamenting process, it gets us out of a victim mentality yeah. and, and it allows us to, you know, to see ourselves as God sees us and then invite him to do the work that he needs to do to make us more like him. Moving forward um, in this, in this church that you're going to start. What are, what are two of the three things that you're going to, you're like, man, I don't, I don't have the complete picture, but I know these two to three things are, they're going to happen. Yeah, I say we, uh, in our tagline is welcome. So we're always external, outward focusing, love to see people meet Jesus. Um, we open our Bibles to learn. So I know this is a big shock. I'm going to be teaching the Bible, Lord willing. Um, and uh, we open our lives to love. And I think ultimately, you know, the two pedals on the bike for us will be Bible teaching and relationships, um, you know, hearing from God. And then I believe that the fruit of good theology, and I'm, I'm a nerd, you know me, I'm your nerd friend, man, I like to study. But I believe that if you read the New Testament, it is clear that good theology results in loving relationships. Wow, good theology results in loving relationships. Jesus goes there, Paul yep. goes there. I mean, I, I don't think I have to really, every leader who knows their Bible would say, yeah. And the whole point of your event here is the true leadership flows out of a place of love. And so I believe sound, healthy, that's what that word means, doctrine, good theology leads to flourishing, loving relationships. Yep. And so my focus will be Bible teaching, who is God, and then relationships, who are we in relationship together with God. And as simple as, I know it sounds like, that's crazy. You're going to teach the Bible and have people be friends? Yes. Yeah. And it's worked for 2,000 years yeah. and it will for 2,000 more. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hey, um, well, I think we've got the website to, to Mark's church if you guys want to know um, more. That's it right there. And I put the give thing. I um, did not. I did. I did. That was my decision. Yeah, you didn't know that. I put the give thing because that's what um, our church is going to do as a New Spring Church. We're going to financially uh, sponsor them and support them in, in however we can. But, but I, would, I would encourage you to do it too. And I'm, we're not going to pass the baskets or take up an a offering or anything like that. That's the that's passing, that's passing the Kentucky Fried Chicken Buckets right there. Some of you old school, you know what I mean. Um, because I just, um, I, I told you this, Mark. I told you this when um, we, we chatted not long after it. I said, uh, and I still believe this, um, you've, you've got a lot of ministry left in you, and you are a valuable gift to the body of Christ. And there are a lot of men and women in this room that have benefited from your teaching and your leadership. And, um, and so I just, I can't, I I am pumped to see what's about to happen. Let me ask you this. Let me ask mm -hmm. you this. So this is one of your first 
public appearances. I mean, you, I mean, you've kind yeah, of, I've been kind of in the witness protection program. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but trying to get my family settled and trying to get my kids into school. And yeah. Trying to get oh, my, I understand. A roof back on my house and yeah. You know, like family first and once and if family is ready because I didn't want to. I don't want to rush back. I don't want to come back. Because to me, that's using people to rebuild your platform. And my job is not to use people, but to love them yeah. and to serve them. And so I waited until the kids said, Dad, when are you going to preach again? We miss your preaching. Wow. Um, that's awesome. So that's why I decided to do it. Because I can go preach or write books or yell at people for a living. You know, I mean, um, and, I, and that's fine, too. I don't besmirch anyone who does that. But we are a family that loves the church. And even when we stopped going and we couldn't attend, my kids set up church on Sunday. One of my kids led worship, one uh, did scripture reading, one set up communion. And we did church at our house as a family. And my, my, my then eight-year-old son came down and collected the offering, okay? And I said, what are you doing, little buddy? He said, well, we're going we're gonna to collect all the money and I'm going to choose a single mom to give it to for Christmas. I mean, so that's their ministry. We got a ministry family, man. Yeah. And so with or without me, they're going to plant a church, but I, I, I think I'll be a part of you it. You should be you a know? part of that. I should be a part of that. Yeah. 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 Well, what is the, um, so we t I mean, we've talked about a lot. We've been all over the place, but since this is one of the, I mean, you first times you've appeared publicly. And by the way, I appreciate you trusting me and us enough to, to walk out here. Well, you and I together is a bit of a risk factor. <laughs> I've, I've, I've attracted some stuff um, <laughs> in my life. But I, um, I love you. And, and I remember we were just young guys that were not physically well. And you were kind to me. And I have a great affection for you. And and I love the fact that so many people meet Jesus at your church. And when people are like, I don't like how they meet Jesus. They're like, however they meet Jesus, I think is pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I praise God for all the salvations here. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're blown away by it. Yeah. I, uh, saying all that to, to ask you, what's, what's the one question that I didn't ask you that you were hoping I would ask you? What's the one thing that you were hoping to say? Is there, is Brother, there anything I on your heart? I am so... I'm so just whatever. I mean, I'm, I, I'm either like at tremendous peace with God or checked out, you know? Um, so I didn't really have an agenda. I didn't really know where it was gonna go. And, you know, if I could just pray for the leaders before we break, I would like to do that. Yeah, so, absolutely, we can let that happen. Anything else on your heart? I mean, how you feel about the condition of our nation right now and the Bro, current <laughs> politics? Okay, I would say this is awesome, and it would be hilarious, but I I don't have the staff to deal with it, so I'm just gonna pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want my staff to deal with it either. Yeah, I give them enough. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, well, seriously, I'm I'm so thankful for for Pastor Mark and the ministry that he's had. I remember um, Beth Moore uh, from this stage, she was talking to our staff and she said, if we don't learn how to show one another grace, one day we're going to be standing around and there's going to be 12 of us left. And so I don't know, I don't know what your thoughts um, or opinions are about Mark Driscoll. You just need to know that Perry Noble, I love him. I believe in him. 
I'm standing with him, and I believe his best days are ahead of him. Thanks, so. Thank you, Bill. Father God, I pray for the leaders right now. I pray for the leaders in their homes, in their businesses, in their ministries, in their churches. Uh, Lord God, the scriptures tell us not to grow weary in doing good. Thank you for all the good that our friends have done. And I pray, Lord God, for those who are weary. I pray, Holy Spirit, for an indwelling, a, a, a freshening, a quickening, an encouraging. Uh, Lord Jesus, would you come alongside of those right now in a supernatural way who are just burdened? And would you, would you take that burden from them? Would you shift it to your competent, capable shoulders to bear that burden for them? Uh, Lord God, I pray for those who um, are struggling for wisdom. Should they stay? Should they go? What is the next season for them and their family? Uh, Lord God, I pray James 1, 5 for them, that if any lacks wisdom to ask for it, then you'll give an abundance without finding fault. Lord, I pray for those who live under the condemnation of their past, that the accuser, Revelation 12, 10, who accuses them day and night, Lord God, would they tune out his voice and would they tune in your voice and would they understand who they are in Christ, not who they are apart from Christ. May they receive uh, the forgiveness that they need to walk forward in confidence. Lord God, I pray for those who are hurt and wounded in leadership. I pray against bitterness. I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. I pray that, Lord God, they would not only accept your forgiveness, but that your forgiveness would flow through them to others so that they could be released from the pain and the hurt and the toxicity that they are carrying. God, I wanna pray particularly for the pastor's kids. And Lord God, thank you for the children that you entrust to our oversight and care. I pray that our first ministry would be at home and that Lord God, um, our children would know of Jesus' love through us and that uh, the ministry that they would carry forth would be greater than ours. Uh, and that Lord God, the beginning of our ministry would just be our lifetime and that it would extend for generations through those with our last name. And I thank you, Lord, for the, the, the pastor's wives. I, I thank you, Lord God, for the ministry husbands. I thank you for the children of, of mothers and fathers who lead. And I thank you for the families that have set themselves apart at great emotional, financial, physical expense to pour themselves out like a drink offering for the sake of the Lord Jesus. I pray right now they would feel your presence, they would feel your favor, they would feel your approval, they would feel your affection. And, and, and I pray, Father, that we would all come to know you more deeply as our Father, a dad who doesn't use us because you don't need us, you just love us. And ministry is nothing more than going to work with our dad. And so dad, thank you that we get to be your kids in Jesus' name, amen.